this Stroke Society Australasia International Journal of Stroke podcast collaboration, Professor Simon Kobler speaks to Professor Werner Hack, keynote speaker at the Stroke Society Australasia conference this year, 2011, in Adelaide. So, uh, Werner, you've just spoken to us for an hour about beyond thrombolysis, and I suppose the, the thing that came home most strong to me with all that you said was that we still have to make sure that we give the most opportunity to the most people with what we know now with intravenous thrombolysis. So, I mean, in in your home region, um, how many years does it actually take to to bring the cities together and to actually achieve that? Because in, in Adelaide, we've been going now for maybe two years and we're trying to bring groups together and include our vast country you know, distances. So is it a slow process? Can we go faster? What do we do? It is a slow process when you do it uh, on a state or nationwide basis. Then it's really slow. If you concentrate on regions, yes. um, it can be done much, much quicker. What I showed today were the results from all the state of Baden-Württemberg with with more than 10 million inhabitants yes and a diversity of uh, different hospitals and medical schools and uh, maximum care hospitals and so on and so forth in our own region Heidelberg and Mannheim the two university hospitals have worked together for many many years and we created this infrastructure uh, well within two or three years. Right. But for the state, it took 10 years. Right. And it also took major support by the politicians. Yes. Uh, which is, uh, it cannot be underestimated how important it is that the mayor of a 20,000 inhabitant little city that has its own hospital, right. if he all of a sudden learns uh, in your hospital that no stroke will be treated anymore because you are not qualified for that. Right. Okay. So you bring it home. You bring it to a home level, don't yes, you? Yes. To a local level. Yes. To yes. get a change in a region. Absolutely. So the unique thing in Australia is, as you said, we have um, double your population, but in the size bigger than America, all mm-hmm. of Europe. Yeah. Um, so say, for example, in our state. Yeah. Um, you know, we have one central... In all of Australia, most of our populations are in our cities yeah. along the coast, and then we have big, empty rural areas inland. Yeah. So telemedicine seems to me to be a critical aspect. So tell me how you're using telemedicine to link up your different yeah. tiers of your stroke units. Telemedicine is uh, a part of the stroke unit program in Baden-Württemberg. It is an essential requirement for all low-level stroke units. They must have telemedical support from high-level stroke units, which also includes they must get telemedicine contact with neurosurgeons and neuroradiologists, not only neurologists. Yes. Um, And uh, also our country is densely populated. We have some regions that are not densely populated. the Black Forest, the, right. the region near the Lake Constance is less densely populated. Yes. And it's always a problem for people who are living there 
they have to go to the local hospital because otherwise they would have to travel two and a half hours right. to get to the next stroke center. Yes. And then it is essential that um, in those little hospitals where, not e where they do not even have a, a neurologist, yes. uh, that the internist can get in contact with a stroke center. And that is also something that is um, supported by the state they, they gave money to, to build up uh, the, the whole system. Yes. And uh, so we in Heidelberg, we are, are linked up with like six uh, smaller hospitals with stroke units and a few without stroke units who get a constant telemedicine right. service. Right. So the, the one big issue for us again in Australia is workforce. Yeah. So you increase the amount and opportunity for people you need more stroke physicians. Absolutely. So yeah. how did you approach that aspect? <clears throat> Are you only a neurologist <clears throat> to be a stroke um, physician or can you be outside of being a neurologist or how does it work in Germany? It, it is possible to, to be a stroke physician and not being a neurologist. It is possible that an internist uh, can be the leader of a regional or a local stroke unit. Yes in the stroke centers, that's not the case. Yes. Um, the, the, the development of stroke medicine has brought us more young people into neurology. Okay. Because they see that this is something active and uh, so kind yes. of a new breed of, of, of young neurologists who like that. So what would be the average age? Because uh, I would say that our average age yeah. in Australia, when we have our heads of stroke units, is yeah. probably in their 40s. Yeah, that, that, that's different. Of the stroke physicians. Yeah. That's, that's different in, in our system. We, the, the stroke unit is, is manned in a shift service. Okay. So we have uh, seven residents uh, right. working on the stroke unit. Yes. We have eight residents working on the ICU. Right. And they are in a shift service. Right. And every attending physician when he is on night shift, is also responsible for, for the stroke services. Right. So okay. there, there is no, not such a thing that the okay. MS specialist uh, has to call a stroke specialist. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And that is why, for example, okay. uh, Martin Krause, our movement disorder guy yes. from Heidelberg who went to Sydney, is now doing the stroke oh, services okay. there because he learned it. Okay, <laughs> so rather than divide and say neurologist stroke physicians separate you just say look it's bread and butter of practice absolutely. as a neurologist yes. and therefore you need like you need to know how to treat an ms patient absolutely yes and it would be a disaster for general neurology if uh, if stroke is, is taken away i mean it's bread and butter yes it's they are so frequent it is reasonably well um, reimbursed uh, so we make money for the hospital, yes, yes, and the department uh, makes the 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 win every year, mostly by stroke right. services. So one final question. So there's a, um, as you were talking in your in your uh, lecture, there's a plethora, there's a huge number of devices now, so that if we use intravenous, it fails. Um, we've got a clot that's in a difficult place, or it looks mm -hmm. large we will use a device. Um, so your take-home message about the devices, well, just go through, 
briefly what you think are the important yeah. aspects because in our small hospital in Adelaide, I'm aware that it increases time before we can get to do things. We have radiologists that are very keen to make a blood vessel mm. open, but the outcome, the functional outcome there may be a, a yeah. problem. Well, basically devices are a very good idea for maybe 20% of all our acute stroke comers, those with very severe stroke and visible um, uh, occlusion of, of proximal brain vessels. Yes. Um, we also know that these are conditions that do not respond very well to IV RTPA. Yes. So there is a need for improvement in this area and devices seem to be a logical way to do. Um, devices, in my opinion, first have to show that they can be used safe, yes. efficacious, and influence patient outcome. Yes. That requires a randomized clinical trial. Yes. So far, for the different devices that are on the market, they do not exist. So we do not really know what the overall results that we are getting presented from the device uh, companies, what they really mean. Is the 30% mortality something that is typical for this group of patients? Yes. Is it lower than if they are not treated or is it maybe higher? Yes. What is the, the number of uh, hemorrhages? Yes. And is it okay that only 22% region modified ranking of 0 to 2? Is that typical for this group of patients? So we don't know these we things. We don't know these things. So we have ideas about yes. it, but we don't know it. And uh, my point is uh, every device should have shown the, shown the efficacy in a well-constructed randomized clinical trial. So we're really at the point where each device itself has to be investigated in a randomised control study. We're some distance away from actually comparing devices. Absolutely. Even. Yes. Yeah, that, that would be even a further step. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much for your time. You're Vanna. welcome. Thank you very much. You are listening to an International Journal of Stroke podcast collaboration between International Journal of Stroke and the Stroke Society Australasia. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organisation. Please consider becoming a member.